Um, Hong Kong, Shenzhen, Shanghai, they just, they just don't have the depth to take them all, at least not with the anticipated pricing and liquidity. Mm. Um, so we're, we're looking at an increasingly complex problem, and it, it's also a clear sign of, I think, the, the growing disengagement between the two economies. Hong Kong and mainland China, they're the only two jurisdictions in the world that refuse to submit to U.S. audit requirements for listing on exchanges. Why not? Right. Why are they so worried uh, about what may be found in their company's audit reports? You know, look, they, they claim it's all about data and secrecy. I, I'm not quite sure I see that. But even if we give um, Hong Kong and China the benefit of the doubt on this issue, you just can't expect... Um, an exchange, be it in the U.S. or any other country, to accept foreign applicants and provide them with special rules. Um, you know, exchanges are going to have to follow national rules, whether that's in China, the U.S., or any other country. Mm. Brock, good to hear your thoughts there. Thank you very much. That's Brock Silvers, Chief Investment Officer at Kyan Capital. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take another look around Asian markets. Just a reminder that South Korea and Indian markets are closed for public holidays today. Uh, but in Australia, the ASX 200 is up about half a percent. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 has risen 0.6%. And with about an hour to go uh, to the open here in Hong Kong, futures markets are pointing to a loss of about 75 points for the Hang Seng at the open this morning. Thank you very much for listening. Please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Stay tuned for Back Chat after the news with Jim Gord and Mike Rouse this morning. The weather forecast, very hot again, apart from isolated showers during the day. Maximum temperature is going to be about 33 degrees. That very hot weather warning is back in force. Uh, sunny periods and a few showers tomorrow. Very hot during the day and then windier with more showers in the following couple of days. It's 29 degrees right now, 85% relative humidity. Time's 8.32. Here's Andrew Shrosky with the half-hour news. Thank you, Peter. Health authorities are appealing to parents to get their young children vaccinated against COVID-19. Government advisor Professor Lao Yu Long says last month there were five children who required intensive care while a 22-year-old, uh, sorry, 22-month-old died after getting infected. He said around 2.6% of children aged between six months and three years have had the COVID jab since it was made available to that age group from August the 4th. He urged parents not to wait for BioNTech version, saying the Sinovac jab was just as good at reducing deaths and serious illness. I look at the figure this morning, it's 2.6% got vaccinated. It's still a tiny number. I think the initial phase is very hard to convince people that every one of us keep prodding on and keep explaining and presenting the facts to the public. Then that number will creep up. When it starts to reach about 20, 30%, you will probably see a fairly rapid rise of about 50 or 60%. Yesterday, there were over 4,900 new cases reported and three more COVID-related deaths. Meanwhile, a five-year-old patient is in critical condition. Police have charged a 35-year-old man and a 24-year-old woman with one count of murder. The pair had earlier been arrested in connection with the death of a three-month-old baby boy in Mongkok early on Saturday. Investigations are ongoing. The governor of, the, of New York says her state will always stand up for freedom of thought after the attack on the author, Salman Rushdie. Kathy Hochul said a man with a knife would never silence a man with a pen. She was speaking at the Chautauqua Institution where Mr. Rushdie was stabbed on Friday as he prepared to address a literary event. This is the state of New York 
We are a proud people. We're proud to have an institution that fosters these ideals, makes us proud of them, shares this knowledge, because this is common to our DNA, to speak up, to speak up loudly. Mr. Rushdie has been a target for Muslim extremists since publishing the Satanic Verses more than 30 years ago. His agent says the writer is on the road to recovery in hospital. North Korean state media say the Russian President Vladimir Putin has called for stronger ties between Moscow and Pyongyang. The KCNA news agency says President Putin sent a letter to Kim Jong-un on Korean Liberation Day saying their country should expand constructive bilateral relations. Mr. Putin said closer ties would help strengthen the security and stability of the Korean Peninsula and the wider region. An electrical fire at a church in the Egyptian capital of Cairo has killed at least 41 people and injured many. Health officials say children are among the dead. The fire blocked an entrance to a Coptic church in the city's working-class district of Imbaba, and dozens died in the stampede to escape. Egypt's president, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, has ordered the army to rebuild the badly dam damaged building. These people live nearby to the fire. My heart is on fire. These incidents happen frequently, almost every year. I don't know why. I want to know who's behind it. We want justice. I found a lot of children lying on the ground. I had to go out and get some air, then covered my face and went back in with some neighbours. Each one of us carried a child. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your co-host today is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're talking about uh, working remotely. A large-scale international survey by the accounting firm PricewaterhouseCoopers has found that 9 out of 10 employees in Hong Kong say they prefer working entirely or mostly from home. But only 45% of local staff have been offered the chance of splitting their working time between home and the office. PwC surveyed uh, more than a 1,000 employees across the city in March. It also found that uh, although Hong Kongers are keen to acquire further advanced technology skills, some companies are falling behind in providing digital training. After 9.15, we'll look at a new effort to create a cleaner city with a three-month operation tackling problems like uh, rodent infestation, illegal waste dumping and dripping air conditioners. Um, at least uh, three months it'll be, actually, probably a, a lot more than that. Anyway, you can let us know what you think on any of this. Uh, you can leave a message on our Facebook page, uh, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233 and for the first part of our programme this morning, uh, we can welcome Felix Yip, who's an Associate Director at Hong Kong Baptist University's Centre for Human Resources, Strategy and Development, and also Matthew Gollop, uh, Managing Director of Connected Group, which is an executive search and recruitment firm. Um, good morning to you both. Uh, uh, perhaps uh, Felix Yip first. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, thanks Good morning. For, thanks, yep. thanks a lot for joining us. So, so, so the survey found that 89% uh, of uh, local employees would prefer the chance uh, to work at home. 
would actually prefer to spend most of their time uh, working at home if they could, but uh, only 45% were given the option to work from at home or go to the office. So w what do you make of the findings there? I, I guess um, I, I think that the work from home and the mall may not be applicable to all uh, jobs. Mm. For example, for those uh, who are responsible for operations and they need to work together with uh, or closely with the, 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 the clients or customers, then it is quite uh, unlikely that uh, they can do it uh, in such a way. Yeah, uh, it, so that's yeah. why that 40% uh, um, respondents may, may, be, may be foreign to that, that, uh, that uh, group of people. A bit because that's a large number, wasn't it? I mean, that's nine out of ten people say they would rather work from home if they could. But uh, but like you say, there must be many employees uh, in trades, jobs, professions where just working from home is not suitable. So so what, what, what do you think is going on in the you know with the psychology of those people? In fact, uh, if you if you ask the general public about uh, about this motion. I think most of them they will they will agree with this because uh, some of them they may they may actually uh, enjoying or, or having this kind of uh, working mode uh, in their uh, from their uh, organizations, but, uh, but when when it comes to the the actual practice, they may be having lots of uh, arrangements that need to be done in order to make this mode uh, being effectively uh, carried out. I think yeah. I think that, but that one we have to go into more detail in that because in in Hong Kong uh, nowadays, uh, particularly after the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic uh, situa situations, uh, there are lots of surveys uh, conducting similar kind of uh, research. Even though even though in local uh, institutions, they also done, uh, have done this kind of survey as well. But in general, majority of the the responses. Uh, tend to support of this uh, this work from home initiative. Yeah, Mr. Yip, good morning. Um, good morning. There are some areas crying out where it's simply not possible, is it? You can't work from home if you're a hospital doctor or a nurse. Exactly. You've got exactly. To, you've got to be there. <laughs> and and a power station. I mean, you can't sit at home and saying uh, press a few buttons and all the power is going to work. Um, but and you also, I, I think. More seriously, you lose the opportunity to imbue the the company's corporate uh, philosophy to get through to people that are on the same wavelength. Mm -hmm. How how can you? Uh, yeah, it's and it is a difference that's, that's, also between people. That's true. Who, yes, that's, that's true because um, in fact, uh, if you uh, take note of the recent development in Hong Kong, uh, there's some uh, local companies they also try to move to uh, to this direction. I think uh, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, New, uh, New World uh, they mentioned about uh, particular for doing summer uh, sessions that uh, they they uh, will allow uh, employees to at least, uh, for example, on one day off. That means that they they allow the employee to work for four days. Uh, instead of uh, a total of five days, a uh, uh, normal work right. day. So you can, you can see that, that kind of flexibility instead of uh, just thinking about work from home. That is, work from home is only a kind of working mode. But the people are thinking about, even from organizations, they think about how can they well uh, um, use of people. Right. So that the work from home is one initiative only. 
And, so and it, yeah, you've got yeah, a difference. It, it, you've got a difference between people who've worked for the company for some years and have mm -hmm. absorbed its culture. If, mm -hmm. if you then allow them to work for part of the time at home, that make makes sense. But if it's a new recruit, how uh -huh. does that person absorb yeah, the company why, culture? Yeah, your, your, your comment is valid because... Uh, Every company, they, they will do things differently. That is based, uh, based on their corporate culture and values. And, uh, of course, if, if they want to launch uh, new initiatives like work from home, I believe uh, the company, they, they will be offering uh, very intensive uh, orientation to the new staff when they join in. So that they can easily get into the, the corporate culture of the company. Otherwise, there will be lots of internal conflict within the organization, so which they don't want to want to see. So that's why, um, um, uh, depending for so you can see that uh, even even uh, if you make use of this work from home initiative, then you will be facing two groups of people at least. For example, one they are in operations, they they need to uh, they need to uh, work in in let's say for example in uh, let's say tele telecommunication uh, business. They need to have someone to need to map um, to monitor the counter, right? To 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 greet the customer, to to share, to to uh, to to sell the products to the customers when they come into the to the shops, etc., etc., right? So this kind of group uh, people, it's quite unlikely that they can do it uh, from home. Whereas compared to those uh, back office staff, they can do it uh, uh, from everywhere. So in such case that there may not be uh, an easy way for them to communicate uh, with each other if the system cannot support. Sure. Let, let's bring in uh, Matthew Gollop, Managing Director of Connected Group. Uh, good morning to you. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, looking at the results of this PwC survey, the international results are quite interesting. So 45% uh, of Hong Kong employees said they had the option to work, to choose uh, to choose to work remotely, whereas 54% of people uh, globally said they did. Um, does that indicate, do you think that Hong Kong employers are uh, less amenable to having their uh, staff working from home? Um, I think yeah, I mean, broadly, I think that Hong Kong uh, is always sort of lags behind a little bit um, in terms of human resource policy approach. Um, it's always a little bit more conservative. And um, actually, that number at 45% is, for me, having been here for sort of 20 years and working in and around the, the, um, uh, the talent markets is, um, is actually quite high. Um, <clears throat> I think before we went into the pandemic, um, individuals felt and the view was is that actually a lot of people don't want to work from home because they share space with families, they live in smaller conditions, you know, these are all the perceived reasons. But actually, as people became used to that uh, during the pandemic, then um, they realised that, there, you know, there was more, more freedom, they enjoyed the balance, and, and so I think that's why companies are trying to um, adapt to that now. So I think it's created a bit of a you know, a bit of a groundswell movement, and um, as has been commented, different industries have to um, adapt in different ways. Um, everybody's trying to work out, you know, what okay, what's the what does the future look like? But, uh, but broadly, I think yeah, Hong Kong's always a bit slower to, to adopt these type of policies. Right, uh, aren't there? Good morning. Um, aren't there morning. also implications for how much office space companies need to rent? Yeah, definitely. 
I, mean, I definitely see that as a um, as an issue. I mean, we 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 did see you know we've seen rents come down a bit in Hong Kong um, during the, the pandemic period as to whether that's you know commercial rents as, as whether that's sustainable um, uh, over the longer term due to this factor or not. Um, uh, will we'll still you know still needs to be seen. I think if we look in again more developed countries, if you look in the in the US, we, we've seen some of the big professional services firms in cities like New York decentralize and and um, have a smaller um, you know, city center location and then um, have offices out in the suburbs to, to meet the needs of their um, right. employees and, and reduce their costs. So I think in Hong Kong, you know, maybe we might see um, a, a movement towards similar philosophy just because the, the cost of, uh, of uh, property is so high here. Um, right. So, um, yeah, still... You know, we've still not really seen a concrete outcome from that yet, but we've certainly anecdotally started to see organisations thinking around that. So you could have your headquarters in Central, quite small, but maybe a, a peripheral office in, uh, I don't know, Tin Shui Wai, why not? Kowloon Bay or somewhere. Come yeah. on, and yeah. then uh, that would be more convenient because commuting time is not really a huge problem in Hong Kong, is it, compared to other places? relative right and yes. uh, actually when i talk to professionals particularly sort of um you know mid-level professionals with, with, with uh, younger families to consider um to some people it you know it is a consideration okay i'm in i'm in Tin. I, I wouldn't want to go to the south side for example um you know wong Chipang is just too far for me to uh, for me to travel so it, 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 you know although that would be a lesser commute in the in the uk for example <laughs> yes. if you were um moving into london then um uh, definitely still a factor here but I think it's, yeah, it's more about cost. And over the years, I mean, we've seen you know, big institutions like investment banks, for example, um, already do that. JP Morgan was a was a leader in you know, moving a lot of their back office out to um, out to Shartin, and, and then we've seen other organisations do the Kowloon Bay thing, etc. But I think as we head towards the opening up of the uh, of the Greater Bay area, then that brings a whole new dynamic to this because. Um, the Northern New Territories with obviously the, the Loch Machau Loop and, and all that type of development, right. I think that will start to open up those locations. The, cent the centre of one. gravity, if if we're serious about our relationship with Shenzhen and uh, Northern Metropolis, and all, the, the centre of gravity should shift north, shouldn't it? Even within Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would, I would see that uh, occurring. Obviously, it will have different impacts for different industries, but. Um, I think that certainly, you know, we will see that ability for organisations to certainly spread accordingly. You may still need your central office if you're, you know, a, a private banking institution and you, and you need the kudos of, um, uh, of those type of surroundings. But um, I think a lot of other organisations, you know, will start to, to, to perhaps move out towards the, um, uh, the new territories if they have that, uh, that China market focus and that greater base focus. OK, we have a caller on the line now. Anthony, good morning. Hi, good morning. Hi, go ahead. Me? Yes, please go ahead. Yeah, I find it quite interesting because uh, during the pandemic, that uh, when people are forced to work from home, it's very convenient for the tech hunters to arrange uh, job interviews because people can always be at home and do it on Zoom and do remote uh, a conference call. And mm -hmm. and, uh, and something I, I would say that it's more about the government because many government departments, I'm, I'm afraid that they do not like uh, working from home um, uh, this uh, working mode, and uh, I would like to know if, uh, like Mike and Jim, 
Uh, are you now working from home hosting this program, or you are forced <laughs> to get back to the office well, in the studio? Okay, well, we're, we're both in the studio in Broadcasting House. and uh, you enjoy uh, it? Uh, uh, well, very much so. I mean, I think it will be technically will be somewhat difficult for us uh, uh, to try to do it remotely. Um, uh, plus, I'm also, personally, I'm also heavily involved in management, so I'm, I'm here every day running Radio 3 and Radio 4. And, and from my point of view, Anthony, the, um, Jim and I... <laughs> may not seem like it, but we're looking at each other all the time in the studio to make sure we're coordinating yeah. the order in which we ask questions and the mm -hmm. order in which we bring yeah. in uh, the studio guests or, or callers from outside. If we couldn't see each other and, and, and gesture, that would be very, very hard to do. Mm. I, I, I guess in a, an ultra world, if we had screens in each other's homes, maybe that would be possible. I think we're some way away from that. That's the pink point that uh, many employees actually don't like working from home. It's not the employer's uh, problem, right? Yes. I, I, and I think, uh, yeah. and, and for, for me, I know that many radio stations, uh, they can do working from home mode when they even co-host that. I think that you should learn and catch up with the uh, state current, <laughs> the technology to set up your home as a studio. Maybe a, people do it, right? Maybe a disc jockey can do it because he's playing, he's choosing the music and he's playing it, pressing the buttons when he wants to. Um, a talk show may be a little bit different. Okay. Really? Uh, I'm afraid that you're behind the UK and US technology or the people. Well, well, I mean, if we're going to be here anyway, we might as well uh, do the program from the studio, I think. But, uh, but, but thanks for the point. Thanks for making that point. And, and thanks right, for your thank call, you. uh, Anthony. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks for ringing. Um, yeah, j uh, just um, looking again at the comparisons of this uh, PwC uh, survey, um, um, part of it was about uh, training as well. And, um, okay, so in terms of Hong Kong, 62% um, of employees said they believed their job uh, needed more professional training. Um, the globally, it was 69%. Uh, um, so does that suggest, I don't know, uh, Felix Yip, does that suggest that uh, Hong Kong's doing fairly well in that respect, uh, you know, compared with other places? Um, I, I guess um, um, because of the competition mm. in Hong Kong, um, I guess, um, um, as you can see, that the, the mentality of uh, the those Hong Kong uh, people, they, they would like to know more new skills. And uh, that's, that's what they would like to acquire. And um, again, uh, what you just mentioned earlier, it depends on the uh, corporate culture of the company. If we are look, looking for those, uh, for example, uh, multinational companies uh, having offices in Hong Kong, and they have more, more uh, semantic training for, for, the, for, their, uh, for their staff, not only be, uh, because for the, their current job, but also for their future development. Then uh, they, they they intend to offer this, and also it also uh, stimulates those people to 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 demand for such uh, uh, training. I think that's that's quite uh, quite uh, quite uh, common in the, for those multinational companies. But for those uh, local companies, the the intention will be uh, the, the the other way around. So. So I think uh, in such case that in order for for them to to uh, to get promotion, then they have to acquire those uh, new skills and knowledge by themselves. Even for example, those you just mentioned about the skills uh, uh, relating to work from home. In fact, it, then the term has been changed. Not from uh, what, what we call work from home. Now we call it work from everywhere. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, yeah. and then that, that will be uh, uh, leading the person to uh, be able to manage uh, to work in such a situation. So that's why uh, it does not surprise to me uh, for uh, from this result. Right. Um, we, we're going to have uh, some psychological aspect looked at after nine o'clock, but let me test you on it now. Um, working from not from the office, so to speak, the central location. Yes. Uh, isn't there a difference? I mean, at home, I can lounge around. I don't need to shave. I don't need to dress up. Um, I could just be walking around the flat in my pajamas and, and sort of then <laughs> sitting down in front of the computer when I felt like doing a bit of work. It's not very disciplined for, my, for me, is it? <laughs> Only when, when you are a disciplined person. Right. <laughs> yeah, otherwise. If I have otherwise, to, yeah. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, you will, be, you will fall in a trap that you will be messing up yourself. Yes. Whereas having, having to get up, having to shave, having to shower, get pr dressed reasonably respectably and, and come out to a, another location, it's, uh, it's, tell, it's affecting your mind, the, the approach to which you bring to the work. I believe so. Mm -hmm. Because uh, you, you are not only focusing on, just on your world, because your, your, your office setting already defines your thinking. However, if you are staying at home or, or anywhere or sitting in a coffee shop, for example, while doing your work, so you will be uh, stimulated by, by things not only surrounding you, but also the, the information which you are, you are Googling, right? So that's why you will, uh, you will be messing up with different uh, stimulation. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to ask Mr. Well, Good morning um, again. Uh, what's the impact of this on recruitment? Do, do prospective employees ask about this? I think um, increasingly, yes. I mean, uh, I take on board the, the comments about discipline, etc. But I think my, my feeling um, anecdotally, and I have you know, hundreds and hundreds of conversations with employees and, and employers, is that a lot of this is, is really it's a, it's a referendum on trust. Right, so what, um, what employees are looking for are organisations that will um, treat them with um, a degree of trust uh, to give them some flexibility. So I think whilst most organisations, they may use some um, uh, in sort of overseas um, uh, contracted workers who, who may never um, arrive in the office, most of what we're talking about is some kind of hybrid structure, and that's to give individuals the flexibility um, that when they have work to do, whether they can do it at home more effectively, because certain, certain work is definitely um, more efficient without the distractions of co-workers and everything else that goes on in the office, that they have that option. Um, and when they need to be in the office, they can, they can choose to be in the office. And I think that um, a sensible hybrid structure like that is a vote of confidence from an employer right. in an employee. And so I think really the question being asked by a lot of employees now is, is, is yes, okay, what's the hybrid working scheme? But it's also how much do they trust their employees? Right. Um, and I think those organisations that are trying to force the um, previous rigid structures back on a market, which in Hong Kong is incredibly talent short, um, and um, you know good skills are in uh, and good employees are in are in high demand, are going to find it very difficult. Which is I think why. 
someone like K11 coming out, and I, I sit on the board of a, a charity, the Fair Employment um, uh, Foundation, where the, their agency in Hong Kong has moved to a four-day week, um, is, is, is going to be a sort of a key discussion. We see this rising mm. up globally, but I think something that Hong Kong you know, certainly needs to, um, to consider and keep up with. So I think it's bigger than just, you know, can you effectively do your job from home? Mm. I think people are asking the question about how much do you trust your employees and broadly, how are you going to treat those employees over time? And I think this is a, you know, course, sort of a, of course, a referendum. Some companies do attempt to monitor how diligently the remote person is working, don't they? Monitoring how many keystrokes on their computer yeah. and so on. <laughs> Yeah, and, that, and that never works out well either. No. And, you know, I've, we've, we've hired um, staff from organisations that have tried to, um, to do that type of monitoring. And, and those are the type of things driving people away from organisations. You know, in yeah. Hong Kong, these are a bit risk-averse right now, so they're perhaps less inclined to move. Plus, we have an outflow <laughs> of talent. Um, and therefore, talent is in high, high demand. And it's those type of things that are right. pushing people away from employers, we which is... Yeah, lack, lack of development, lack of trust, um, yes. too much we, we completely trust you, but what were you doing between 10 and 10.30 this morning? Yeah. Your login data suggests otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of horror, horror stories both, both here and, and, and globally about that type of oversight. And you know, ultimately, it doesn't, it doesn't work out well. It, globally, we have a talent short market, mm. so organisations um, need good employees, and employees just don't want to work for organisations where, where they're not trusted. Sure. OK, well, thanks very much. Uh, we've got to take a break uh, for the news now. Uh, uh, thank you to uh, Matthew Gollop, Managing Director of uh, Connected Group, uh, an executive search and recruitment firm, who you third, heard just then. Uh, F uh, Felix Yip from uh, Baptist University is going to uh, stay with us. We'll be back with us uh, after the news uh, summary. Uh, a quick look at the weather. Mainly fine today. Uh, very hot, apart from isolated showers. It's currently uh, 29 degrees. Humidity is at 80% and the very hot weather warning is in effect. And good morning and welcome back to Backchat with Mike Rouse and me, Jim Gould. And this morning uh, we're talking about uh, working remotely, uh, working from home mostly. And that's uh, after a survey by the international accounting firm PricewaterhouseCoopers found that just under 9 out of 10 local employees here say they'd prefer to work entirely or mostly from home. Only about 45% have been offered the chance of splitting their working time between home and the office. Uh, still with us is uh, Felix Yip, Associate Director at Hong Kong Baptist University's Centre for Human Resources Strategy and Development. And also joining us on the line is Dr Karatalan Zaidi, who's a Hong Kong-based clinical psychologist from Mind and Life Psychology Practice. Uh, um, uh, just a couple of messages on our Facebook page, which I'd like to read out um, just quickly. Our Facebook page is uh, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. So uh, Dana writes, uh, regarding the camera comment on doing radio shows from home versus the studio, I think it's far better as a guest speaker to be in the studio. Uh, thanks for that. And uh, Dana also writes, uh, I'm surprised given the size of most flats in Hong Kong that 90% of people prefer to work from home. Uh, were the reasons asked? Perhaps it's partially due to fear of getting COVID uh, during transport. Uh, well, let's see. Um, uh, Dr. Zaidi, good morning to you. Morning. 
thank you for having me again. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, so what do you think about these findings? I mean, that's a big number, isn't it? 90% of pe people saying they prefer to work uh, from home at least part of the time. Um, it, is, it is actually surprising compared to the rest of the world, uh, the surveys that uh, I have looked at and the studies. Mm. And I do wonder whether the, uh, the person who has uh, commented on the Facebook, whether part of the reason is uh, the fear of getting COVID while mm -hmm. transport because uh, and because the because the impact of mental health um, what, what has been reported is uh, you know the isolation loneliness difficulty getting away from work finding that work-life balance at home and uh, again given the um, size of the uh, homes in Hong Kong, it is, um, it's a challenge to find your space and be able to um, work from home. Certainly my personal experience um, and a lot of people that I've worked with um, over the last two years uh, where we've had to go online at times. So I, yes, I'm, I am actually surprised. But then you see, the thing is that um, it, there is more flexibility at home and there are there are fewer interruptions, um, and there is no commute time. Uh, mm. You can spend more time with your family, and, um, you know, some people get more done. Right. Um, so, yeah, uh, they, th those could also be the reasons, but I am surprised at the 90% number. The, the Good morning, Dr. Zaidi. Good morning. Um, the distraction argument works both ways, doesn't it? I think we, we all remember that clip of the man uh, on on Zoom, and then the, the small child came in at the back of the picture. Um, so it's not it's not a, it's not a one way street on that. But I'm also interested in the other activities that go around being in an office. That is going out for lunch with colleagues, or or meeting someone in a nearby coffee shop. That that falls away, doesn't it? If you're all working from home. I agree. I mean, so, again, looking at the studies, what has been reported to me in, in sessions and what I myself have, have experienced um, through friends and, um, you know, reading the survey, the, the creativity, the talk about the projects that you're working on, uh, you know, just bumping into each other and having that human interaction, knowing this is a space where you can exchange ideas and talk about things, completely agree it goes away and and we as human beings need it and I, that's the reason why uh, people uh, reported isolation loneliness and uh, you know having those uh, healthy boundaries between finishing work and starting their personal life so um and and uh, uh, another study that showed that 45 percent of the people that were working from home and mandated to work from home um, you know, had to take mental health days to get started working from home. So, so yes, agreed. Mm. That, that human interaction in the office environment is, is important part of work. Mm. Uh, Felix, yep. Would you go along with that? I mean, a, a lot of what we do is teamwork, essentially, isn't it? And it's very difficult to, uh, you know, have the team all working together if half of them are not there. <laughs> For example, in, in, 
I've been in business before I joined the university. So that teamwork is so important for business. So um, if even when I uh, uh, I'm now in uh, the university job, so when when we conduct the the the, uh, the lecture to the students full zoom, so you can see that it is very difficult for us to interact with each other. And not to mention about the students, uh, the workers, for example, they need to coordinate among themselves on the work. So if we are using this uh, uh, online platform, so there, there must be some sort of skills that they need to acquire in order to make to maintain the relationship. I, I think that you all know about uh, the relationship. We are human beings, right? yes, social animal. So we cannot um, um, escape ourselves from the from the society. Right. So that in such in such case that um, um, that's why. Uh, Companies they are not thinking about not hundred percent working from the office, and they are adopting different what we call a hybrid mode. For example, two days uh, um, from everywhere, and then uh, three days from office, and then one day or one day from home or from everywhere, and then the others from from office. So we can see that that sort of hybrid mode in order to compensate. That uh, 100% work of home uh, initiative. Right. I, I, have to, I have to lecture several times a year um, at universe, different universities in Hong Kong. <laughs> and, and I must say that switching over to Zoom is a, is a huge change in the atmosphere and the interaction. Exactly. I, I much, <laughs> much prefer to be there in front of live students that I can see and they can see me because you... You judge from their reaction to what you're saying, the pace and and whether you need to change it to a different area of the subject as as you go along. Whereas exactly. over Zoom, exactly. you just haven't yeah. got that feedback, and you're sitting still because you have to get the camera focused. So you're sitting there, not moving at all. Um, exactly, <laughs> it's just not the same. Yeah, and another problem is. You, you just uh, the other speakers that mentioned about the, the working from home, for example. You can see that there, it may induce a conflict from home. Imagine that <clears throat> we are we are not most of us are not living in a big big uh, apartment. Right. So we are, we are tracing for the data. <laughs> we are doing work from home. So imagine that we are tracing for the data. Then we that uh, whether whether we are or we are. We are able to gather the the the, the capacity, right? Okay, by ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that that become a challenge for for people all together working from home. Um, Dr. Zadie, could I ask you, because Hong Kong uh, uh, in many respects is a pretty full economy, sorry, full employment uh, economy and has been for a long, long time. Um, I, think, uh, I think people here uh, generally uh, feel much more comfortable about changing jobs more frequently than they would do in other places where perhaps uh, in other places where there is a bit of an unemployment problem, someone might be reluctant to give up their job because it might be more difficult to, to get another one. Um, um, do, do you find that that affects people's thinking? Well, if they're not if they're not happy with their working conditions, they'd be, you know, more likely to to switch to switch employers. Well, it, mm. it, it, definitely, mm. 
that is that is a, a factor um, in in Hong Kong. I would agree with that uh, because, um, as you say, they have they have a choice. And and having you know spent a decade over a decade here, however, having grown up in a very different part of the world, the 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 way you treat the job that you have. <laughs> And he said, "For you do leave a job much easier here than you would in, mm-hmm. in uh, you know, in the UK." Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree, and it, it is because there, there is there are many choices available. Mm-hmm. What what about the effect on sort of associated activities with centralised offices? I'm thinking of of the sandwich shops and and the coffee shops that are there because there are lots of people working there. If there are fewer people working there, that's going to change the economic shape, isn't it? Is that, is that to me? Yes. You know, have, but we've already experienced that. We've already experienced when people haven't been going to the offices, the little, little uh, businesses have, um, you know, gone under and uh, many shops have closed. Um, so, yes, absolutely, it does have a huge impact, um, you know, um, on the whole system um, of of just working from home, and I and I hope people are able to see the value of sitting with their colleagues and being able to exchange ideas and having the flexibility of of uh, working from home. Um, you know, a couple of days a week. You know, I myself work one day from home, and the rest of the time I'm in the office. And when I had to work only from home it was it was challenging it was highly it was it was quite difficult i found it very difficult just staring at the screen as you say uh, uh you know not being able to see the rest of the body and i'm quite used to working on the screen with one-to-one so um it, it is challenging and I, I i hope that we will find find a balance in hong kong where you know, the hybrid mode of working is going to benefit um, you know, people as well as um, the systems around it. Felix? Mm. Yes? The effect on the uh, immediate vicinity of the big offices? I, I, I guess um, the offices will be uh, reducing the size. I'm talking about the size of offices will be reducing because not only because of these uh, work from uh, home initiatives, but also from uh, the perspective of the younger generations, yeah, the Gen mm. the Gen C people, they are, they, are, they would like to be more flexible. They would like to do work in in anywhere. So in such case that, that the demand for offers uh, will be will, that's that's why uh, just what the other speakers talk about. You when you when you uh, visit uh, the coffee shops, you can see people. Uh, chatting there and uh, working there. So we can see that the flexibility that uh, the younger generation they would prefer in such case that and also offloading the, the rental of the, the company because they do not need to rent a bigger space mm. for the office. It's, yes, I'm interested in that generational aspect. Yeah, uh, I think so. Dr. Sadie, young people, more free? Oh, they, yeah. Definitely don't like picking up the phone and speaking, do they? Uh, I get told that quite regularly, um, and and they do prefer, you know, just to be able to send uh, the messages rather than, um, uh, you know, have a face-to-face contact as well. Um, 
for for human beings to continue to have eye to eye contact mm, uh, right. because there are so many um, so many developmental and so many communication um, cues that we miss, just like you said. Yeah. That when you're in the lecture hall present, you are watching the audience's reactions to be able to see whether they, you know, the response from them and, and you um, change it accordingly. Um, that's exactly how it is because uh, they need to be able to have some part of that in their lives mm-hmm. rather than um, uh, being in isolation in front of the computer and um, have relationships through the screen. Right. Because it is a relationship with the screen. Maybe this is subject for another day, but at lunch yesterday, two young people sat at an adjacent table and they didn't speak to each other. They were just each on their separate screens. And I thought, here is your socialisation. You know, who are you, who are you socialising with? The screen. Okay. It's the screen. It's the screen. Okay. All right. Well, well, well. Thanks very much uh, to uh, both of you for uh, taking part in our program this morning. Um, that was uh, Dr. Karatalan Zaidi, who's a Hong Kong-based clinical psychologist from Mind and Life Psychology Practice, and Felix Yip, Associate Director at Hong Kong Baptist University's Centre for Human Resources Strategy and Development. And before nine o'clock, we heard from Matthew Gollop, Managing Director of uh, Connected Group, an executive search and recruitment firm. Um, Thanks to everybody. You've got one comment here from a uh, uh, listener, Alonso, actually, on this uh, issue. says, uh, I'm curious uh, what happens to the productivity of employees who work from home. If you simply study the average uh, 20 to 30-year-old when they're not at work, whether they're in the gym, walking in the street, at a meal with family and friends, even in the loo, their eyes are glued to their cell phones. If they're allowed to work at home, I'd imagine that their handsets are a constant distraction. That's pretty much what you were saying, uh, Mike. Yes. Yeah. Yes, OK. Um, for the last um, ten minutes or so of the programme, we're going to turn our attention to uh, another topic, and that is a new government uh, campaign to clean up the streets, the Hong Kong New Cityscape uh, clean-up campaign. It's being uh, led by the Deputy Chief Secretary, Warner Chirk, who who's leading the District Matters Coordination Task Force. And what they're going to do is uh, they're going to tackle about uh, 600 uh, trouble spots uh, where there are problems like illegal waste dumping, uh, rat infestations and dripping air conditioners. And that's going to go on for three months or so. And then, and then later on as well, uh, the idea is to beautify the city, uh, replace old uh, road signs and that sort of thing. Um, uh, actually, a comment here from uh, listener James says, uh, only a three-month campaign? Is that how the administration's uh, attention... Is that now the administration's attention span? Surely to make Hong Kong great again, there needs to be a whole uh, lot of government commitment to creating and maintaining a clean and hygienic city, along with encouraging all of us to take personal responsibility. Thanks for that, uh, James. I think, in fairness... Um, the government has said uh, uh, an initial three-month campaign, but it's uh, likely to go on for much longer than that. And everybody is encouraged to take notice of it and to join in the spirit of it and take part. Um, we're now joined on the line to discuss this uh, by Lawrence Yu, who's Executive Director of the Public Policy Group at Civic Exchange. Uh, Lawrence Yu, good morning to you. 
morning, morning. Thank you for your invitation. Ah, uh, well, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, so this is a pretty uh, a big operation that uh, that started uh, over the weekend. Um, but I, I see you were quoted the other day as saying that uh, uh, you think there needs to be more of a holistic approach uh, from the administration. Would you just like to uh, expand a little bit? Okay, definitely no problem. Yeah, um, actually, this is a very good um, campaign, and then we can I can observe that actually the new administration really did um, something to tackle the previous government silo issue. This is the first um, job task force um, to really mobilize um, different departments to work together with the uh, same objective. However, I think the government definitely should take one more step because the, the role of the government definitely not stop at the campaign side, but also it's more like need to focus on the policy side. That's why I mentioned that it's like um, the government need to think more holistic to tackle um, the Hong Kong waste issue in a more systematic approach. So that I have couple recommendations, for example, that um, the campaign definitely need to more cohere or think how can we leverage the existing waste blueprint to create a beautiful Hong Kong. For example, like in Hong Kong, we need to, there are three key points. The first point is to create value of our food waste. That will really avoid the people to illegal refuse and then the secondly is like we need to further accelerate to implement the waste pool blueprint to reduce the waste uh, in uh, to accelerate um, the waste reduction in Hong Kong. And then the final one is like to raise the public awareness, and that also is like make the waste disposal become more convenient. So that this is how we create the holistic approach to tackle the city waste issue. Right. Well, that's that's an important area. But specifically on this keeping clean, um, I, I'm suffering from an acute attack of deja vu. Uh, maybe it's because I'm so old. We did all this in 2003, didn't we, at the time of SARS? Uh, the special team led by John Jung uh, cleaning up the back alleys. Uh, uh, why, why did we drop the ball for 20 years? I feel is uh, there's some reason is like uh, the previous. Uh, hello, hello. I'm, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm, I think yeah. we're, we're losing yeah. you momentarily. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, because of the silo issue. Actually, it's like uh, at the old day, the government department is not really collaborate with each other. They seldom speak with each other. So that that will create issue and then make the bad alley become much dirtier. And then also the bad um, issue also is more significant. So that I feel it's like the new government is did put effort to tackle this um, unclear role issue within the government. This is a good step. Right. I think I think Mike was making the point that after SARS, there was this uh, uh, big cleanup uh, operation in 2003. It started right, and then and then fifteen hundred dollar fines were introduced for, I think, uh, uh, leaving leaving litter, allowing your 
dog to make a mess, um, p sticking up uh, illegal posters, and uh, one other thing, I forgot which, but, but that was nearly 20 years ago. And there's talk now that we need to maybe, you know, we need to increase the fine for littering, I and mean, it's still $1,500, isn't it? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, because I think definitely need to revisit um, the fine and then also it's like how can we really enforce um, the fine and then to how can we really enforce in our city yes. because the FEHD actually the uh, manpower is quite limited so that how can we really like monitor our citizen behavior maybe we can also not only find our citizen but also it's like to use some carol and stack approach it's like how can we encourage to make our citizens more convenient to recycle um, their waste? Actually, the government has some really good initiatives like the community recycling facility. But how we can extend right. the network, that will be a key uh, issue that this uh, administration needs to tackle. But you made an important point about coordination and the silo uh, effect. Um, but the question is whether we can make a structural change that ensures that departments do work together on a, on a long-term basis. Okay, so if you can uh, aware that actually now um, the SDHD is under the Environmental Bureau, uh, under the Environmental and Ecology Bureau, so that that will be, it was a very good first step is like we are um, single bureau to tackle the waste in a more um, systemic approach. Um, for example, at the old day, you can see that um, our recycling box is always filled up and then no one really cares it. But after the FDHD or like the environmental production department takes um, over the responsibility, you can see that the recycling box already has some improvement. That um, the government it's uh, more proper to manage uh, the recycling box so that I can see the government has uh, ambitious um, to tackle the waste issue in our city. One uh, interesting thing that uh, emerged over the weekend is the problem of uh, abandoned motorcycles. Uh, apparently, lo lots, of, lots of old motorbikes being left in back alleys. And think, do, do, Would you have any recommendation on how to deal with that? I feel, um, yeah, I feel it's more like um, the police uh, also can join the enforcement because um, the police um, always is like to check the vehicle whether to pay uh, the registration and the road test regularly. So that if the police um, department can really uh, have um, reinforce the uh, enforcement in the back alley. That will also help the situation. Yeah, I can remember dealing with abandoned cars on Lantau Island back in, wow, 1980. Mm. So this is this is not a new thing. I think part of the problem there is that nobody's really interested. And and I I think Mike, uh, it's still an issue. <laughs> I suspect it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course, this is an uh, issue, but I can see that if the government is, has the ambition, definitely <coughs> different departments can better coordinate together and then to achieve our objective and I, goal. Right. I'd, I think I'd rather have 
more enforcement rather than an increase in fines. I mean, if you dumped something every day and were fined $1,500 every day, you'd stop doing it. But if it's, if it's sort of a very slim chance that you might be prosecuted and, and, and done for 5000 it may not... If there's no enforcement, it's not a deterrent. It's got to be... It's got to be both, hasn't it? It's got to be in likelihood of detection combined with the penalty. Um, definitely agree. Yeah, because I feel that enforcement definitely is really important. And then it's like to try to increase the burden of um, people. That is, can create sufficient pressure for people to avoid and to dump the waste on the street. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Lawrence Yu, Executive Director of Civic Exchange, uh, thanks very much for joining us uh, on the programme this morning. Um, just uh, one comment here from uh, listener uh, Brenda on our Facebook, uh, talking about our earlier discussion, said, uh, your hosts and guests seem to be older people. I think you will find that the younger generation have a different perspective. Uh, that was us uh, talking about uh, working remotely, working from home, as opposed to going to the office every day. Um, yes, we will try to get uh, more younger perspectives uh, on the programme. But we're, we won't get them in the studio, we're, will we're, we? We're, <laughs> well, we've always got, we've got uh, other means... Uh, our lines are our lines are always open. Most of our guests are on the phone actually uh, these days, Mike. I guess that's partly for convenience. COVID. Although, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, there was a time when we couldn't have any extra uh, guests in the studio. Um, it is always better though if we do have uh, guests uh, in the studio because the just the just the interaction is a little bit easier than talking to to someone on the phone. Anyway, um, we're grateful to uh, to everybody for taking part uh, in the program. Um, on the phone or otherwise. Um, thanks to our listeners. Thanks to everybody who wrote in. A uh, quick look at the weather this morning before we go to the news summary. And morning brew. It's going to be mainly fine, very hot, apart from isolated showers uh, during the day. Top temperature around 33 degrees in the urban areas, higher in the new territories. The outlook, sunny periods and a few showers uh, tomorrow. Um, very hot uh, during the day again tomorrow. It'll be windier with more showers in the following couple 